everybody. I'm Peter. He's Mike. And podcasters like us only understand one thing. Strength. How's it going, Mike? I am Mike. Welcome to Rebels Rebels, <laughs> the show that explores the Star Wars expanding universe through an episode-by-episode episode deep dive into the animated series Star Wars Rebels. How are you, Peter? <laughs> I'm great. You have a very official voice today. I like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Affirmative. I'm just getting to the point today. Uh, okay, perfect. I'm sticking to um, it. Welcome to our episode of Podcasters of Concord Dawn. Protector. Um, Protector. Oh, sorry. I thought it, I, I want to rebrand our entire podcast. Oh, that's a good one. Po- the podcasters of the Concord Dawn. That would yeah. Be, mm, too deep. Yep. Um, cool. So we have no guests today. We've got nothing really. Let's see. Let's just jump into it. You want to jump yeah, into it, Mike? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. From IMDB, in need of new hyperspace routes due to Imperial pressure, the Rebels find a shortcut but must gain permission from the leader of the nearby system. Yes. I love hyperspace routes. We love hyperspace routes on this show. (laughs) Uh, um, Yeah, it's uh, it's throwing me off because I'm like, now you're saying routes and I always say routes and I'm like, oh no. Roots, um, routes. Oh no, interesting. Mm. It, I think it is routes. I'm saying roots. It shouldn't be roots. No, it's okay. You do you. No, it's um, routes. I just don't want to confuse the listeners. <laughs> I don't know what we're talking about, right? Did um, we, have, we had this with a different word before. I don't know. I mean, uh, you say you say wolf, wolf. <laughs> in, in an interesting way. Wolf. Which, which will come up. It's your favorite animal, but you can't say it. Nope. Don't know why. <laughs> Yeah, and unfortunately, wolves are going to come up quite a bit coming up. So, um, so the Empire, this one was kind of weird because I remember it jumping into it and being like, wait, did I miss the beginning of the episode? Like, you feel like you just kind of jumped in in the middle of an episode, but we're in the middle of a briefing and that we find out the Empire is cracking down on hyperspace lanes. And so the rebels are having trouble traveling, um, mainly back and forth between Lothal. Um, so they're with Commander June Sato talking about how they're going to secure safe passage back to Lothal. We got the supplies, but we were fortunate to get away. The Empire's making our travels around the Outer Rim tougher all the time. Yes, we need a new hyperspace route in and out of the Lothal sector. I may have a perfect shortcut. The system of Concord Dawn. It's a Mandalorian colony and not an Imperial territory yet. It's a real problem. Safe passage is a real problem. <laughs> um, is Sabine's hair getting longer? Yeah, I think so. That's a really interesting touch. I feel I, I don't know. I remember realizing that when she took off her helmet near the end of the episode, thinking that. Yeah, that's kind of cool that, um, yeah, we've talked about it before, like they, a lot of cartoons, they don't even change their outfits like Scooby-Doo. You know, Shaggy wore the same thing for five, six, seven years in a row. Yeah. So we, we've talked about how we like that, you know, people get battle scars, they get different outfits from season to season. This is a really interesting touch that I like their hair is growing, which I kind of like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also I, I, might be in my head though. <laughs> I don't know. I think that it is longer. I think you're right. Nice. Nice. Um, so Sabine has an idea of how to get a new route 
back to Lothalon, she, she suggests that they go to the Concord Dawn system, which houses a Mandalorian colony on the planet that is not technically part, and it's not technically part of Imperial territory. Um, so the, it's, but the only problem is it's protected by a bunch of people called the protectors, which make a lot of sense. I would think. Yeah. Very literal. Yeah. Um, according to Rex, the Mandalorians of Concord Dawn once helped train clone troopers during the clone wars. That's interesting. Well, I guess we're going to be seeing more of that pretty soon here. Yeah. I'm interested in how much they're going to change because I was reading in like rebels recon. They were talking about how. Yeah, the ending used to go into all the Battle of Mandalore and all this stuff about all the warring factions and how the uh, Republic got there. Because if you think about it, we're left with an impression that the Imperials never kind of have a soft occupation of Mandalore. And we'll learn more about that um, a little later, that maybe they're not directly ruling Mandalore, but they kind of set up a system that's favorable to the Empire. So that means that Potentially the Republic kind of took over at the end of the Battle of Mandalore because the Republic becomes the Empire. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that was all pretty much written out in common knowledge. I wonder if they're going to change anything now that they have announced that we're going to see the Battle of Mandalore. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, they don't yeah. want to just like release something that everyone already basically knows what's about to happen. So maybe we're in for like some weird twists and turns, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I, I'm interested. It's funny as Star Wars grows and more gets added, I feel like they have to get much more creative because they can't necessarily change the history of it as they're creating yeah. things in the middle. <laughs> it's such a limited, it, it's tricky. It's difficult and to keep fans interested. And it's, um, I think it's one of the, gotta be one of the hardest parts about creating Star Wars. Um, yeah new star wars that is in the middle of these timelines yeah and i think i get the impression too that they really wanted to complete as much of the this uh mandalorian arc as they could have back from clone wars and at this point when this episode came out and when rebels were being created they had no idea that that clone wars would be coming back so yeah it seems like they kind of tried to shove a lot of that into rebels Um, yeah so you know, they might either either there's a lot of story that they had on the table that they have weren't able to fit in. They'll have plenty of stuff or they're going to have to think of something like kind of creative, which I think might be really interesting. So I'm looking yeah. forward to that. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, a little bit more about Concord Dawn. It was a Legends thing first. Um, and also, this is weird. This I, I got conflicting reports of this, but they say that Django Fett is from Concord Dawn. What? But he's not a Mandalorian. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So, I wonder if, like, he was, like, I don't know, like, like he was a human that just was brought up on Concord Dawn. Um, Maybe he was, like, adopted by Mandalorian parents or something like that. And so, that would explain where he got his armor, maybe. Um, So, that could be some unexplored territory. Hmm. That might be interesting. Yeah. Well, let's see. Well, with Sato, it's interesting the dynamic. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like this episode is can be basically boiled down to uh, this struggle for diplomacy versus um, like action. Yeah, um, like this. Topical, this, right? Yeah, 
here it is. Do you just, do you just charge in or do you use diplomacy first? Very yep. political. Um, and, and we'll discuss this the further we get in the episode, but at first I did not think this was going to be a, a very successful theme for the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was wary of it. And I think it, I think it goes well by the end for some reasons I'll talk about, but um, yeah, it's Sabine basically is a murderer. <laughs> I know we talk about that a lot. Sabine and Chopper yeah. in this episode really get cemented as, I don't know, a psychopath. Totally. Well, it's funny because I was like, speaking of politics, um, I, I have this in my notes for later, but it's very clear, like, when they approach the base, that, like, Kanan is, like, a hippie, like, man, we could just talk it out. Let's work it out, man. And then Sabine just wants a gun, guns blazing. Like, she's a straight-up Republican, and, and Kanan's, like, a Democrat. It's like, we'll blow him out of the water, but it's like, yeah, she's gun-toting, just power over diplomacy. So, yeah, it's, it's a little scary. We should keep an eye on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, this planet's kind of like a cool. I have no idea how this could actually work because it would seem like everyone on the planet would be dead. Um, the protectors are on a moon of the planet, so they're they're safe from this. But there are people who still live on Concord Dawn. But it's kind of looks like it was blown up or like cracked in half. It's kind of a really yeah. cool. Um, yeah. Design. Yeah, and there's no cool. information on how it got cracked, too. I looked. Um, I'd be really interested to know what makes a planet do that. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't really think about that or notice that, really. Yeah. Maybe that's why the people on Concord Dawn are so hard, because they, they, they survived their planet being cracked in half, so now they're like super tough badasses. Probably not. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Um, I like this line. So basically, it's the struggle you're talking about. Um, Sato wants to go attack everything. Sabine's on Sato's side. And then Hera and Kanan want diplomacy. They think maybe they can even recruit the protectors into the rebellion. And so they agree with Hera and let Hera go on her mission. And then um, Ezra says this line where he says, Looks like diplomacy won the day for once. And then Kanan replies, there was a time it always won the day. Which I yeah. thought was kind of a nice Which, line. when was that, by the way? <laughs> um, like, like in Star Wars history, when did that ever happen? Or in Kanan's life, when did that ever happen? Oh, yeah, in Kanan's life, never. Um, it would have to be before, like in the early Republic days. Or, okay, uh, so I'm like, yeah, is that what he's referencing? Because... Yeah, before, like when he was a baby, before their Phantom Menace. That would yeah, be the I'm only just... time, right? It's pretty impressive that Kane is not jaded. Um, yeah. I'm like pretty impressed by that because it seems like he should be. And he is. I mean, we see mm-hmm. him outgrowing that. I mean, I guess that's his whole arc. Yeah. Actually, is he's coming. So I guess this is a character growth moment again for Kane. Yeah. I mean, I think this is, um, you know, we'll see it later too as they try to find a base and set down roots and stuff like that. Um, we see Kane kind of struggling from the beginning of this season he was very clearly like i'm not a soldier i don't want any part of this to now you know listening to orders and trying yeah. to be part of the team until you know eventually he 
is able to really set down roots and be part of this rebellion. And I think that's a greater like growth of him too. It's nice that he's, he's a teacher, but he's growing as well. Yeah. In the sense of being a part of the rebellion and, you know, just having more hope because I don't think Kanan in season one would be like, let's try to work it out with our words. No, I think that's pretty cool. Um, something else that's cool is Mm -hmm. as, uh, so they are headed Hera, Sabine, and their team of three other half shields are headed down to the <laughs> planet to practice diplomacy. <laughs> um, here it goes. And I love it. Five A-wings. They're yep. all A-wings this time. Um, this must I, be a hard episode for you, actually. Yeah, it was. It, was, it sucked. <laughs> um, well, it sucked because here's why. They head, okay. They're heading down, heading down to the moon, right? Yep. And they're intercepted by Mandalorian ships. Awesome Mandalorian ships, by the way. All right, I was going to ask this because I actually don't like these ships. Um, really? Yeah. Do you um, know what kind of ships these are? I do, but you can go ahead. I don't, so you go ahead. <laughs> I was banking on you. Uh, <laughs> you set that up like I was like, you You had done your, your work, your research. Um no. I didn't want to steal your thunder, but they are called Fang Fighters. Um, And according to Wikipedia, the craft's narrow attack profile and swivel-mounted wings provided vectored thrust control that gave the fighter unmatched agility. These these features allowed Fang Fighters to perform maneuvers which few other ships were capable of, including the deadly Concordia face-off maneuver. Yeah. All I knew (laughs) is that they were called Fang Fighters. Yeah. That rest is awesome, and um, uh, I'm curious, how much are these, Peter? Oh, that's weird. I, I wonder why you think I would know that. 185,000 credits. Wow. Um, Can you give me an equivalent for what that actually is? <laughs> so, that's about two times as much as a, as a TIE fighter. Wow. All right. Um, and then, what do, do what you know did we say our exchange rate was? About two times? Uh like us dollars yeah yeah about two times yeah so this is a really expensive ship yeah um, well not really tie fires are cheap i think more than anything yeah so it'd be like a little over sixty thousand dollars for this ship mm-hmm. who built these ships <laughs> i feel like uh you're setting me up but this <laughs> built um i just the reason i wrote this down is because i think this is a fun name mandal motors Manda wow. more motors um and they were built in i forgot the name of the other company but they worked with another company that was a solistian company i want to see the space madman episode for this where <laughs> where space don draper has to pitch mandel motors yeah and i like that space don draper would be a celestian he's like oh, yeah. rawr, rawr, rawr. i can't do a celestian impression <laughs> i'm like um but need um that that alien with the foldy faces yeah, who recently a Celestian appeared in the new Star Wars Resistance, but mm. spoke basic perfectly. Interesting. I haven't gotten to that part yet. Yeah, it's weird. And I felt weird about it. Yeah. Right. Um, another thing about the ships, which I think is interesting, is they don't have shields. So maybe that helps keep the cost down. But I think that you get the impression that they're so maneuverable and they're such good fighters that they don't have shields, but they can still wreck shop, as we see. Yeah. Opposed to TIE fighters that don't have shields and they suck. Yeah, and we're about to see some of the maneuvers, but yep. get there. Um, so they're approached by these Fang fighters, yep, piloted uh, by 
yeah. Ben Rao. Ben Rao. Our buddy um, Ben Rao. Yep. He was uh, named after... Dave Filoni named him after the director of this episode, Brad Rao. Oh. Um, which I thought was interesting. Hmm. And also, did you notice the symbol on his helmet? Yeah. Um, that was not quite Mandalorian. Yeah. So that it, symbol, it looked like it was kind. It looked similar, but it was not. Yeah. So it kind of are you, are you thinking like the Boba Fett like has those weird that weird tusked animal thing? Yeah. 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 Um, so it kind of looks like that, but not quite. Um, so this symbol, it, it was uh, taken from concept art by Joe Johnston for Boba Fett. Um, so it is inspired by that symbol you were talking about. Um, mm-hmm. and it signifies that he was a journeyman protector, which were like Royal guards for the mm-hmm. most, um, and only the most fierce Mandalorian warriors could be journeyman protectors. And they were sworn to protect the ruler of Mandalore. Mm-hmm. So this signifies that he used to be kind of like Zeb, like, High on yeah. guard, super fierce, special warrior. Hmm. Okay. Yep. That's becoming one of the only other few jobs in the universe, apparently. <laughs> I guess. You know, for like a unique, special, high-class warriors, we seem to come across a lot of them. Yeah, quite a few. Mm-hmm. Um, so, they try to enact diplomacy while being approached by these fang fighters. Era yep. leading the way, uh, saying they come in peace. And Ben Rao's reaction to that is peace. That's a word. Uh, that's not a word I hear often. And I'm wondering, <laughs> like, literally, you don't hear that word often. <laughs> he's like, like he maybe he's just actually forgot the meaning. He's like, yeah, peace. Hmm. Don't know what that means. <laughs> like, hey, um, do you want a slice of pizza? Do you want a slice of cake? Do you want a slice of oh you don't got nothing else you're a real pile of crap slice out man <laughs> yep so the same piece out yep uh, I, I like that bit we should keep it going slice be with you <laughs> and also with you <laughs> perfect <laughs> that's what they say at mandalorian church yeah um, so I like this dogfight a lot. Um, and one of the things that really struck me was it's love kind of war and slice. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I'm trying to think of any more, but I can't slice so. be still. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Um, one of the really things that, that struck me about this episode that I really liked was that it, it really showcases two. There's strong. a time for war and a time for slice. Okay, I'm done. I'm trying to make a very serious and important social commentary, Mike. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. done. (laughs) So I really like that. So this mission is led by Sabine and Hera, and it's very kind of cool to see that we see two strong women kicking ass. Like it became very apparent to me. Like I like that Hera is leading the mission. This is the first time we really see her as Phoenix leader in all of her glory. I mean, things kind of go poorly for a lot of Phoenix Squadron, but, you know, Hera's the one who saves her people. Hera's the one who outmaneuvers these elite fighters for a while until she's kind of, like, outnumbered that they have to bring her down. She opens up an escape route for Sabine and the rest of her squad. So, like, it's cool that this is her idea. She's executing it, and Sabine's there, too, just kind of wrecking shop. And so I think that's something that's a little more unique than I would like. 
and so it's kind of cool to see that yeah that's really cool yeah um and i also like just speaking of this how it's staged and directed um there's some other really cool touches so like if you notice every time that they go to kind of the cockpit view there's like muffled blasts blasts that you hear outside the window and i don't feel like i really recognize that anything like that's from you know the laser fight it goes from like and then when you're talking it's like yeah which i think is kind of a cool touch um it is a cool touch even though there's no sound in space it's great yeah i know <laughs> um and then another really cool thing is later on we see kind of Hera's destroyed a wing and all this like little chunks of debris are floating yeah in space with the ship and it's just like such cool visual direction it's really cool um mm -hmm. before we get to Hera's destroyed ship which i yep. love no one cares that these half shields died <laughs> no. there's zero reaction to their death they're just like man seriously well that's why they're half shields yeah but uh once they jump into hyperspace once they get the coordinates jump back to the fleet mm -hmm. and they're freaking out where's Hera I love when her ship appears out of hyperspace yeah. totally demolished and still kind of floating on just through gravity's push mm -hmm. totally um and again, I mean, that speaks to Hera. Like, obviously, she's not in a good place, but she not only outsmarted the protectors and helped get the rest of her crew to escape, but she found a way to somehow, like, with a half-broken-down, destroyed ship, put in hyperspace coordinates and jump and get away from these people and survive, which I think not a lot of pilots could do. Um like I'm surprised her ship even made made it through hyperspace without breaking apart with yeah, the condition seriously. it's in right now. Seriously. Um, and so this really affects Sabine. She's really upset and feels guilty for leaving Hera behind and wants to seek justice against the protectors. Um, so they they fish her out of space and we see her in a hospital bed with one of those weird birthing droids. Yeah. Oh. and um the droid talks so oddly <laughs> and i made note of it because i was like i want someone to remix this because it sounds like a song almost the way he's talking <laughs> yeah um and i i recorded it here let me let me let me play this through the microphone it's gonna sound great this way don't worry and just think about this with the beat behind it okay ready yeah her vital signs have stabilized she is going to make it yeah that's tight <laughs> Okay. One more time. <laughs> that would be a new viral video. It's tight. Like auto tune. I'm like, why um, are you speaking in a rhythm? Yeah. I half expected him to be like, she is dying, and we don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so Rex and Kanan are trying to figure out what they're going to do next now that Hera is kind of in a bad way. Um, and so Sabine walks in and was like, it was Fenrau, that's who did it. And Rex and Kanan both remember him. Um, we find out he was an instructor for the Grand Army of the Republic. And Kanan recalls how he and Rao both fought in the Battle of Majito during the Clone Wars. So if you have read the Kanan comic, you have actually seen the Battle of Majito and you have seen this 
happen, which is kind of yeah. cool. I learned in res- retrospect, they timed the release of this episode with the release of that comic. Oh, so if you're watching this episode and you're like, oh, the Battle of Majito, we actually see in the comic Fen Rao and his Skull Squadron come in and save Deepa Blaba and um, Kanan. And the episode or the comic ends with Kanan kind of being like, I wish I could say thank you to him. And so in this mm. episode, he actually gets a chance. Wow. That's cool. I didn't know that was, that was cool. Timed, like yeah. synergy. Yeah. Yeah. In this moment, they go back to that thematic debate between diplomacy and action and what's going to work. And it, uh, Sabine has some pretty uh, intense views mm-hmm. per usual. Yeah. <laughs> She's pretty militant. Um, I don't think we, uh, have really seen this side of her. Like we know she likes blowing things up and executing people point blank, but we haven't really seen this kind of vengeful. Yeah. Like kick ass, take names later. So I guess negotiating has been taken off the table. Yeah. You want to negotiate? Let's negotiate by destroying their ability to attack us. It's just, she's become comfortable enough to like, just let her inner, inner freak flag fly. Totally. Yeah. Which is basically killing people. Yeah, like blow them up and like God sort them out. Oh my God. <laughs> this is pretty brutal. So Kanan says that he now realizes that diplomacy won't work and Sabine wants to blow up all their fighters so that they don't have a choice and they can they won't be able to attack the, the rebels as they use their hyperspace lanes. Which doesn't make sense to me because it's like, all right, you blow up their like eight ships and then like they can't get other ships ever. But whatever. Yeah. Um, I think they basically just wanted to make it a kid's version of like, we should kill them all because if this was a real military that Sabine would want to go in and just kill all the protectors and then that would be the only way to make sure they're safe. Yeah. Well, I'll talk about it when we get towards the end of the episode, but she pretty much says that line by line. Yeah, totally. Um, and so Kanan says, I will go down and I will blow up their ships, but this is going to be a solo mission. This is going to be a uno amigo mission and so he everyone protests but canon says he can't risk losing anyone else and so he wants to go by himself but he takes chopper two choppers protests which were hilarious yeah and as chopper is leaving because it's interesting we don't see much of ezra in this episode at all or zeb yeah totally um ezra really wants to go he doesn't get to go Chopper mm-hmm. is clearly mad that he has to go. And as he's leaving, yeah. he hits Ezra. Yeah, and it's... He but hits Ezra him off the place. He didn't, volunteer, he didn't volunteer you. I know, I don't... I wrote that in my notes. Like, first of all, why why does Ezra... Or why does he hit Ezra? I don't even understand the motivation other than him being a psycho. And then secondly, it's an awkward location. It's like he walks by, like, he's a total frat bro. And he's like, sack tap, bro. And then, like, sacks hits him down below. It was oh, weird. I didn't, I didn't even notice that, if that's true. You didn't hit him right there, but it, it was very weird that it was that close. Yeah, I guess he's pretty low. Yeah. Um, so, I guess he's just, Chopper's just a psychopathic murdering frat bro. Um, and then also, like, I like he's still protesting when they're on the Phantom. When he's like, brruh, brruh, brruh. he's like, yes, I know what I'm doing, Chopper. Like, so yeah. sassy. Oh, man. So Kanan takes off in the mm-hmm. Phantom down to the planet yep. to 
I don't think he was ever going to blow up the ships. I think he just wanted to go alone so he could. He, I think he just lied, right? So he could just try. Yeah. I think that's what we find out is. Yeah, because he was just trying to. Because he already had a connection with them, so he was going to try to use that. And mm-hmm. um, but Sabine stowed away in the Phantom. Yeah, and it's also. Um, I think it's important to note too. I mean. I think this is part of Kanan being more hopeful and optimistic. And he knows if he's like, let's try diplomacy one more time that people, the, you know, Sato wouldn't let him basically. So this is a way of kind of trying one more time to go the peaceful route and embrace the Jedi's ways. But I also think he's trying to honor Hera because at, in the end, even though Hera was blown up, I don't think she would want to be vengeful and she would want to still continue diplomacy. So, yeah, I think it's, baloney that sabine is saying this is all for uh hera like totally. i think i think that's totally just a uh i think that's just a cover for whatever anger she's feeling towards mandalore totally i think that's a good point like hera wants it i'm doing this to revenge her. No, you're not. <laughs> yeah like stop using her because hera would not want you to do this totally um and I, you know i think she she has some residual anger about how things are going on, how things ended up on Mandalore, which we'll learn more about. But then also, like, she's just a young child still. We forget how young she is, not yeah. able to process her emotions, maybe. So she's just yeah. mad at these people for hurting her friend. And so she yeah. wants to go kill them all. <laughs> yeah. And as we discover, she, she, she says that, too. She says, I want yep. to kill them. Yep. <laughs> Why won't you let me kill people? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah so well we uh, found this out because she we didn't mention this she was stowing away on the phantom yeah which i don't understand at all because first of all the phantom's like five by five he looks it's like chopper's like why don't you ask her and he's like ask her what and Kanan turns around and like she's standing two feet behind Kanan. yeah so. what are you doing here you must be pretty distracted not to have noticed i stowed away so what are you really up to you heard sato's orders going to destroy those fighters before they take off i know you better than that fine i'm going to finish Hera's mission we need to recruit the mandalorians to join the rebellion the protectors almost killed Hera. what are you thinking i'm thinking we can still offer them a chance to change everyone deserves a chance Ugh, you know this jedi philosophy stuff doesn't work for everyone that's why we're at war i don't know how she snuck aboard no idea nice jedi in kanan yeah she kind of that was a little too easy yeah a little too easy yep um yeah so they get down mm-hmm. and she is they strike a deal the deal is she'll set the explosives right yep. not use them though well not even that's not even the deal the deal is if the negotiations don't go well then they can destroy the ships yep um, she preemptively sets explosives while Kanan goes to approach Fenrao. Yep. Um, which it's, they do a really, and he does a, I don't know. I think he does a great job. He approaches the base. Mm-hmm. He follows Rao into the building and all the while, you know, Sabine is setting deadly explosives everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is a cool set piece too. Um, I found out that it was specifically kind of inspired by a Western and you can kind of hmm. see it like I can see that uh, Kanan kind of or you see Rao and he's not even really looking at the door and he's like, 
I don't like being snuck up on or he says something like that. And I love then it. all of a sudden Kanan appears in the doorway, like he's at the saloon and Rao already I, has his yeah. blaster trained on him. It's kind of like a really cool vibe. You're a survivor. That explains how you got past my men. My master, Depa Balaba, and I were pinned down, trapped by droids. You and your skull squadron flew into the separatist fire over and over to cover us. You saved our lives. Mm, that was a long time ago. I was younger and more reckless then. To be honest, I don't see what that has to do with you being here. You gave me a chance to live that day. Now I'd like to return the favor. I think this is the best part of the episode. Um, yeah. Totally. I think this is really good. Like, I want to specifically call out the writers for this. I think this is a really good writing. Absolutely. And I think this is really mature writing, too. Um, which is... And it's it's difficult to articulate because this is a kid's show. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they can do this all the time or else this would just be a boring show for kids to watch. So they don't have the ability to do this every episode because mm-hmm. it does have to be pretty action packed and not so dialogue heavy. But the yeah. fact that they were able to do this in one episode, I think this is a great episode to do it in um, that Kanan is able to approach Fen Rao and they don't just start fighting. Yeah, and I think totally. I like Fen Rao after this episode because of these moments where he goes he's not like i don't know he's like you know sit down like i want to like you must be one of those rebels i want to talk to you i want to hear what you have to say though um Mm -hmm. but still like being an imposing figure totally um i just think this is like a really successful character moment that i thought was really cool and you can't do a lot just because you need to be pretty action heavy in a show that's Mm -hmm. geared towards kids yeah and the whole i mean just the i love like you know Kanan just like puts his lightsaber on the bar and it's like oh okay i know what's going on now like that's cool touch and he saddles up and has a drink with fen rao and they just try to have an adult conversation which i really like yeah and i also like fen rao's kind of confidence that i feel like yeah you know when he's just a random person he's got a blaster on him he's like okay i'm not in any trouble here i could take this guy and then Kanan puts his lightsaber down probably could kick Fenrau's ass, but yeah. Fenrau still is, seems like he's in control of the situation. You know? Yeah. He even says that. He's like, I've got the Jedi under control. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I like yeah. that. He doesn't he's back cool. down. He is very imposing um, through this. Yeah. So yeah. Kanan asks him to join the rebellion, but the protector does not have any interest in doing so because as we saw earlier, they do have an established link with the empire. Uh, officer comes down and pays Rao for passage or something. I don't know what he's getting paid for. Um, and he reports the rebel activity. So it's confirmed that they have some relationship with the empire. Yeah. Um, and in his mind, he says that the rebellion has no chance that the empire has more guns and more people. And he has no reason to join a losing side. Um, Kanan kind of argues the point. Um, and Fen Rao says he's not interested in losing another war with the Jedi. And then that's kind of where it ends when Sabine gets discovered. Not doing too well. I mean, she was trying, to be fair. She was trying to be sneaky. Didn't work out. Yeah, I like this, like, she kind of does. You, I didn't realize how acrobatic she is. It's really impressive because she kind of bangs her head on a wing of a ship and two guys are like, hey, what's that? And turn around. But she's gone. And you find out she's like 
Batman upside down on the other side, kind of hanging on like, or like Spider-Man, like clinging to the side of the ship. It was very impressive. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it's, you know, they, these Mandalorians ask, you know, where'd you get that armor? Bounty hunter says, you know, it's mine. I forged it. Yeah. In my, with my family. I forged this armor with my family. Family. That's a bold claim. What's your house? I'm Clan Wren, House Vizsla. House Vizsla? She's Death Watch. Traitor! My mother was, but I'm not. I came here to settle a score, and I invoke the code to seek justice through single combat. No one has invoked the code since the Empire took over. I don't know how I feel about how Mandalorians have this thing where they can request, like, basically trial (laughs) through single combat. That... (laughs) (laughs) More than anything, I feel like that is a writing cop out. Then, yeah, because I've seen, I mean, like a couple of different shows use that, like, I request trial by single combat. Well, this whole the whole Mandalorian thing is very Game of Thrones, yeah. Um, even that, so in Game of Thrones, it's a big thing that trial by combat. Um, and they have all the different clans that are have all their different alliances and and things like that just like all the houses in game of thrones and their alliances so yeah as we go on we'll see more of their structure i kind of actually like that <laughs> um the single combat thing is whatever um but it, i think it shows that they take their coat really seriously um and i think we'll see that because i think the turn fenrau's turn at the end is a little perplexing to me but this may be um leads into it you know honor seems to be something very important to mandalorians so yeah i just i think it's so stupid <laughs> if i belong to a society that had that and they're like i request single combat with you and it was like my honor depended on it I'd be like i'm not doing that it's stupid i don't care about my honor <laughs> maybe i'm just not a very honorable person maybe <laughs> yeah um but as she does that, she reveals that she is part of Clan Wren, which is part of House Vizsla. And because of the weird political Mandalorian stuff, to the protectors, uh, Clan Vizsla are traitors to Mandalorians because they are former Death Watch. And so yeah. she is taken into custody as a traitor. Um, so if you want to know more about this, there's a lot of this stuff in Clone Wars. Yeah. Super high level. Um, because if you haven't seen that, I think it kind of frames things is that in the Clone Wars, there was a group called Death Watch, which is like a splinter group um, of basically Mandalorian terrorists that like would blow things up and be militant against the, the peaceful ruler of Mandalore. Um, what was her name? Princess. Oh, Duchess Satine, mm. um, who Obi-Wan falls in love with. It's yeah. very sweet. Um, and so this Death Watch group wanted to restore Mandalore's warrior past and try to take over the planet from Duchess Satine. And in order to do that, they allied themselves with Count Dooku and eventually were taken over by Darth Maul and brought mm-hmm. into the Shadow Collective. Yeah. Um. And so at that point, Maul kind of became the ruler of the Mandalorian people for a short time. Um, And then after that, there were some Death Watch members that followed pre-Vizsla 
and over tried to overthrow them all. So <laughs> Previsla was kind of like a terrorist splinter group from a terrorist splinter group. Yeah. And then as we'll see more and more and more, that line kind of goes down and becomes a clan that Sabine's house has allied themselves with. So somehow yeah. in that political kind of turmoil, the protectors are against clan Vizsla. Yeah. And I think it's important to know, or not important, important for me yeah. because my favorite episode of rebels hinges upon this kind of unspoken rift is that Darth Maul actually kills Duchess Satine. Yes. That's important during this. Um, that is important because, and you, you to remember right for season three of rebels, Obi-Wan had a romantic interest with Satine. Yeah, he did. And that's all I'll say. Bow, bow. Um, so because of all this kind of, this kind of political intrigue in their honor and all that stuff, blah, 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 Rao agrees to the trial by combat, even though no one has invoked it since the empire took over. So you can, you can kind of tell that the empire is having some influence on their old ways and kind of pushing in some new things that maybe some Mandalorians aren't happy about, but yeah. he agrees in this case. And, you know, Kanan's objecting. He's like, don't do this. Don't do this. And, you know, Sabine is hell bent on killing Rao. Or so she says, I'm afraid the only way you're getting out of here alive is if she kills me. And that is not going to happen. What is it with you Mandalorians? Never knowing how to solve anything except through the end of a blaster. Sabine, you do this. You're no better than him. You have to trust me. Sabine, you make this choice and win or lose, the Empire is going to be all over this system and the fleet. Kanan, you need to stop talking now. I'm actually a little confused about this. I feel like the episode was trying to set up that like, it's like, Kanan, trust me. And then she shoots the blaster out of Rao's hand and then blows up all the ships. So is the episode trying to imply that... The whole time Sabine was not going to actually kill them, even though she said she wanted to kill them like a thousand times. Mm, I don't know, because she has to her plan. Everything gets, you know, a wrench gets thrown in the cogs. So mm -hmm. who knows what people's true intentions were here for Kanan? It's clear diplomacy yeah. was always. But with Sabine, how far she actually wanted to take this, I don't know. Because, yeah, after the single combat, it <laughs> doesn't really turn into single combat. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sabine and Kanan, as they're escaping, she says, I thought you'd be happy I didn't kill anyone. <laughs> Which I've, I don't know how that's possible. Which is possible. a low bar, first yeah, of all. That is true. But I don't know. I also don't know how that's possible because you see, so she blows up all the ships except for Fen Rao's ship. So Fen Rao is like, you know what? I'm going to go back and take out their their fleet and so he runs to his ship and tries to take off and Kanan kind of jumps and leaves Sabine behind and jumps onto the ship but you see kind of like Sabine is almost cornered by like five guys of Skull Scott Squadron um, so it's not it's not confirmed also that, but this seems to be Skull Squadron um, the one that Kanan mentioned back from the Clone Wars but Skull Squadron is kind of cornering Sabine and she's shooting them and then all of a sudden she just kind of tells chopper like we're getting out of here and then casually jogs off and you don't really see what happened to those five mandalorians that were quartering sabine so like either she killed them <laughs> or they let her go they brought her they brought her to 
been around. No, I'm saying like as like when everything's already blown up and Kanan's uh, taken off, she's like cornered by five guys. She had to deal with those guys somehow. Yeah. But they don't tell you how. So I, I bet you she just actually did murder a bunch of people and she's just not telling Kanan. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because after she, <laughs> so when she said, she, you know, I thought you'd be happy I didn't kill anyone. Mm-hmm. And then he, you know, Kanan replies, you know whatever kind of ambivalently towards that which is also yeah. concerning <laughs> you know she said that she continues she pushes on with it she doesn't give up that you know well it'd be easier if we could kill people and like uh she's like well you're you know you love making this hard for me first of all that's what she said that's what she said <laughs> second, of, second of all this episode is so concerning with sabine yeah. and her murderous tendencies yeah. Um, don't really trust her. I just don't trust her. <laughs> no. And I don't remember if it's this part or the part after, but like she says something about like, Kanan, you love your Jedi ways or something like that. And then he replies like it was something about how the reason that there is war is because we don't listen to like the pacifists, yeah. blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And it's just like more of that. Like, like I was saying, like Sabine's a Republican. It's like straight through power. We will take them out and he's just like no man we can all get along peace and love bro yeah well he makes a good point like yeah it's like it's a good point that's why there is war you know totally. because there is no because <laughs> there's no diplomacy <laughs> yeah but um we get to so as we said fen rao is taking off trying to get back to the rebel fleet to go teach them a lesson but kanan jumped on the ship and is kind of hanging on and this is a super sweet move. He turns on his lightsaber and stabs it through the controls of the ship and disables the ship, then opens the cockpit, knocks out Fen Rao, and then yeah. as the Phantom comes, he pulls him out of the cockpit and takes him prisoner, which is yeah. like some really cool special op stuff. And yeah, I feel like Sabine's cool. even like, you're scary when you put your mind to something. I'm like, yeah, that was dope. Yeah, it's a really good move. And it's cool that, and that's what makes Kanan's diplomacy all the more better is that he doesn't have mm-hmm. to be diplomatic. He could clearly just do stuff like this. Totally. But he has power and but his power lies in that he chooses not to use it. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I also like there's a key line here that I think we need to take note of because I think that the episode's trying to they don't explicitly say what Rao's motivation is. Like Kanan kind of conjectures some stuff, but I don't know if I buy it. But at one point he's like still think we can't win and so i think at that point he's showing fen rao like how badass the rebels are and how serious they will take the fight and how skilled they are yeah. and maybe that appeals to his warrior nature where he's like okay they do they don't have as many people they don't have as much money but maybe they can win this fight um which i feel like has to play some part in his decision that we're going to talk about in a second because I don't really understand what else would. Sir, are you all right? We're marshalling our reserve starfighters for pursuit. Stand down. There's no need. But sir, if the Empire finds out about your capture... You're not going to let that happen. And the Rebels? Until I give the word, there is to be no mention of the Rebels. And their ships are to be granted safe passage through our system. As you wish. Yeah. Mm. I think... Had that conversation between Rao and Kane and gone on longer, un- uninterrupted by mm-hmm. Sabine, it had the potential 
to go somewhere like this, given enough time. Yeah, probably. And so they, so what we're talking about is basically he captures Fen Rao and they've taken him prisoner. And then he gets a call and Kanan lets him answer it. And so he's like, what are you doing? You don't let a prisoner take a call. And he's like, no, go for it. It's fine. And so they say they're going to scramble their reserve fighters, Skull Squadron is, and they're going to go and come and engage the rebels and get their leader back. And Fen Rao tells them to stand down. He says, don't interfere with the rebels and let them pass until you hear from me otherwise. So he doesn't really explain his motivation. Later on, after Hera kind of wakes up and they're back on the Liberator, then Kanan says that they don't want to report that the rebels are in the system and have taken Fen Rao prisoner because then that will bring imperial activity to their system welcome to the rebellion right now we are only friends because we have to be what does that mean well the empire doesn't make a habit of rescuing people the last thing Rao wants is imperial ships all over his territory and that's exactly what he'd get if they found that he was our prisoner Kanan, Sabine Hera wants to see you which I think yeah. kind of makes sense but if you have an alliance with the Imperials already, I don't know really how scared you would be of that. Because there's hard. Yeah. I don't know. It's a weird. It's a weird motivation for me. Well, I understand. Here's what I what I like about Rao and why I believe him in this moment is I don't think this is. I don't think he has changed at all as a character. I think he's being very true to his character. It's just. Mm-hmm. It's kind of you know. Uh, Still waters run deep, you know, (laughs) like uh, he is abiding by Mandalorian codes. He's pursuing like this kind of honorable approach to combat and he's not, he's not turning on the empire and he's Mm -hmm. not joining the rebels. He's kind of waiting to see who is going to make the more, you know, moral choices while still demonstrating strength in a way. Yeah, and so for me, he's like, he's like, okay, stand down. We're not going to do anything. Don't tell them they're here. And he's almost letting the game play out. I don't think he's being duplicitous and being like, I'm looking for the most profitable thing here. I'm looking for the best ally who, like, I can comfortably stand behind. You know, and like, I, I, I think his those ethics and that honor is important to him. So. He's waiting to see which mm. side demonstrates that. Yeah, that's a good um, point. I had never really thought about that, about how this all plays into like the Mandalorian code, which obviously is important to him. Um, yeah. He's, he, maybe he's the reason he's kind of letting them take him capture and standing down is because he's keeping his powder dry. That's yeah. what she said again. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Kanan knows that. I think that's why Kanan approached him and approached him alone because he knows this because he's worked with them before mm-hmm. and he knows like what they want and how they operate. But also that's because how that's how Kanan operates too on a deeper level. So he knows if he can just get Rao to his base, treat him with respect, you know, like, no, do what you want. Like, go ahead mm-hmm. and answer your call. And he can show them how the rebels operate. He doesn't have to convince them their actions not their words will convince them that they should be aligned. So yeah. he's just like, no, come come to our house. See how we do it. 
Yeah, I like that. And I think it probably says a lot that, you know, Sabine bested him in combat, even though it didn't, she didn't kill him, but she shot the blaster out of his hand. Kanan did this cool Jedi, sweet lightsaber disabling move. So I think that might have made an impression on him too, you know, that he's he's like, okay, like I can respect these people a little bit too. Also, I didn't talk about how awesome it was when Sabine shoots the gun out of his hand. She then crosses her arms and an X over her chest and like detonates the things. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, "Eh, X up. That's sick. So goth. Um, Though the crow. Yeah, totally. Um, So Hera has awakened, which is good news. And they have taken Rao into custody. And Hera is pleased and happy with how things went down because they were honoring her wishes in the end. Yes, yeah, everyone learned a valuable lesson. Yeah, Sabine. No, Sabine didn't. Sabine learned <laughs> crap. Yeah. It's going to take her a while. Mm-hmm. Season three is big for her. Totally. Um, do you have any other notes? Nope. So I have one random note that kind of has to do with this episode, but I feel like you would really be interested in this sure so if you watch the rebels recon for this episode they always do this thing called like chopper cam and it's just like little bits where they have a real chopper robot and he just does things around the office and it's always just like oh like choppers making copies silly droid so this one he's watching like youtube videos at work and getting reprimanded for watching He's like at a computer and like laughing like maniacally. He's like, like chopper, you can't watch videos at work. Get back to work. It's like a weird bit. The videos he's watching yeah. is a supercut of every droid death in all of Star Wars. Mass murderer. So it shows like the droid being pulled apart in Jabba's palace and like droids being shot, like the droids being shot off in uh, Revenge of the Sith. And it, he's just laughing maniacally. He's watching droid snuff videos. <laughs> Adding that to my chopper murderer <laughs> file. Literally writing that in. Totally. And like, how does that not raise alarm bells? Like Andy from the show walks up and is like, you can't watch videos at work. I feel like she should walk up and be like, oh my God, what are you watching? Yeah. It's, I need to tell someone. so concerning. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, that yeah. sounds on par. Yep. Well, how we end every episode, Peter, if you don't know, as we, we rate it on a scale of best to worst thing in Star Wars currently. Let me give you an example. Currently, my favorite thing in Star Wars is the death of Yoda on Dagobah as the lights mm-hmm. go out. Poetic moment, truly. Love yep. It. To the worst thing is Han Solo got his last name from an Imperial officer. Terrible. <laughs> stupid. Don't understand it. This episode for me... um. I like, and I'm trying to put my headspace back into when I first saw it. I liked it because Fenrau intrigued me and I wasn't sure what mm. side he was on. Yeah. So I'm going to give this episode a first time, uh, or a, um, you know, meeting Lando Calrissian in Empire Strikes Back. Uh, I'm intrigued by the character in like that, that moment. I don't know where they're going. I like the character though. I think it's a cool character. I'm going to give this episode a B plus. Cool. Nice. Um, our grading scales are actually very similar. So mine, my scale is 
the best thing in Star Wars right now, my favorite thing is the throne room battle at the last in the last Jedi. And then my least favorite thing right now is the hit 1997 jizz song from special edition of Return of the Jedi entitled Jedi Rocks. And um, between that, I gave this episode Darth Maul at the end of Solo because Mm. I like not necessarily I don't get excited for what Darth Maul appearing in Solo means for Solo. It makes me excited thinking about what might come in the future. Mm. And so also it was kind of an odd choice. And I feel like there was an odd choice in this episode with Fenrau in his turn. But anyways, um, I kind of feel the same way that, you know, this was a pretty good episode. There were some things that I like in it, but it makes me excited for what they're setting up and what's to come in the future. Oh, nice. So for me, it's like a B. All right. That's solid. Sweet. Tell us your rating scale. Leave Ooh. us a review on iTunes and tell us what your favorite thing in Star Wars is and your least favorite thing is and how you would rate this show. <laughs> yep. I'd love um, to hear it. We will read it out on a bonus episode or a deep dive and it will be very fantastic. It, we've heard back from some of our fans that we've read on the show and it has greatly improved the quality of their life. Mm. So, you know, make yourself happier, do some self-care and leave us a review on iTunes. Yeah. And you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, at Rebels Rebels, both. Rebels Rebels both. Pod. Rebels Rebels Pod. That way, yeah. cool. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. I didn't know it. Yeah. So Rebels Rebels Pod on Twitter or Instagram. You can also email the show at Rebels Rebels Pod at gmail dot com. Um. Yeah. Yeah. And remember, until next time, to be brave out there, and don't look back. Don't look back. Cowabunga. Don't kill anyone. <laughs> Is from... Sorry, one second. Maddie's coming up. I'm going to make a bunch of noise. One sec. Back in like 10 more minutes. Okay. We're close the door. Mike, can I get your underwear? Hey, Mike, I'm in my underwear. Nice. I didn't know that. What'd you say? I didn't know that. <laughs> Maddie, I was like, hey, we need like 10 more minutes. And I was like, okay, does Mike know you're in your underwear? <laughs> yeah, put this at the end of the episode. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> uh-